how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to episode 371, where I spoke with Kim Hudson, screenwriter and author of the screenwriting book, The Virgin's Promise. In this interview, we talked about her original work, looking into herself and reading Julia Cameron, doing The Artist's Way and The Morning Pages, and how she kind of discovered some of these things within herself, and that led her to film school, where she learned about the hero's journey, and eventually the virgin's promise so this book is about demystifying the complexities of archetypes and clearly outlines the steps of a virgin's journey to realize her dream audiences need to see more than brave self-sacrificing heroes we go into great detail about this book how you can apply it to your writing how it does weave in and out of the hero's journey from joseph campbell and chris fogler and what you can learn to change your screenplays and alter the way you view movies in terms of The Virgin's Promise. I started out um, as a geologist. And so then I was a, and I was a field geologist and then I became a land claim negotiator. Um, all of it very masculine, very um, linear, I would say. And then I had children and I suddenly thought, what, what do I authentically want? You know, it was the seventies and we were all women. We're all trying to like prove we could do everything that men could do. Uh, but that kind of all changed once I had a child. So I did that, um, Julia Cameron, the artist's way. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, and I was just so diligent. I did everything. I did it twice, actually all 12 weeks. <laughs> and what came out of it was that there was a pattern of writing. And I thought, I don't know, I'll, I'll try screenwriting. It's all dialogue. How hard can that be? <laughs> Turns out it's very hard um, and rewarding. And so I, week seven was um, fill out the form, I think. And so I applied to film school and I got in. So the, the artist way, did you, was, do you see that as more transformational or do you still do some of those habits? You still do. I think she does the morning pages. Do you do any of those aspects still today? You know, I always turn to the morning pages when I need to like reconnect, get back to it's it's like magic. Something happens when I just let that pen move for a while. So mm. um, I do do it then, but I can't say I've been really diligent over the years. <laughs> That's a good like realignment, though. Can you kind of explain what that is yeah. for people that are not familiar with it? Yeah. So she's got this idea that there's... Um, that she has these provocative questions and that if you follow this pattern of every morning when you first wake up, when you're closest to your unconscious, that if you were to write three pages, and I used to write looking at a couple of the questions, whatever she says, either whatever appeals to you the most or, or you feel the most aversion to, and just see where the pen takes you. But the second half of it was to, um, what did she call those? Your artist dates. So you're to take yourself out and do something that appeals to you. So it's basically one is getting in touch and the other is like 
getting out and giving it some action, but also getting some inspiration back because you go out with that open heart. I'm, I don't know what I'm going to find. You know, I just know that I'm following something that interests me. Right. I found that was the hardest part, actually. Mm. It was so wild. I, I, I just didn't realize how mostly I'd been taking care of other people's needs. And <laughs> suddenly I had to like do something for myself, which freakily enough um, matched the book that mm. I ended up writing. So a big thing in like in writing at all is just finding your voice. And you've touched on this, some of this already, but your description says a father's daughter with a Cinderella complex. Can you kind of go over that a little bit and maybe your <laughs> definitions of feminine and masculine and some of those things? Ah, sure. So, um, those, those years that I spent in geology, that's basically a hero's journey. You know, like you're facing fear, you're learning to take on challenges and conquer your own fear and then take action anyway. So that was, um, that was my understanding of what life was supposed to be. Um, and I got that because my father was one of those guys, you know, lettered in like seven different sports and was a great pillar in the community and did all, you know, he was really a great man. And I just always wanted to be just like him, like do great things and to get his attention, I'm afraid. <laughs> so that's how I started out. And then that's part of it is the the Cinderella complex is where you believe that you you need to be of service. And constantly helping and working and that at some point people are going to turn around and say, it's your turn. We'd like to help you now. <laughs> and of course, it doesn't happen. They just love the fact that you're constantly helpful. <laughs> and that's part of the journey is you have to awaken for yourself that you have to know that you're intrinsically worthy of being the center of your own life. Mm. So what was your first couple of years like uh, getting into writing screenplays and eventually kind of writing books about screenplays as well? What, what were those first years like for you? Well, you know, I was in film school like, mm -hmm. when I got in uh, and the very first day they brought all the people in the film school, like directors, actors, writers, all of us were there. And they brought in a psychologist who talked about Joseph Campbell and the hero's way. And for me, it was, like, I don't, I just had this sense of resonance. Like I could feel it almost like sparks running through my fingers um, of this was the coolest thing I'd ever heard. This, and I could recognize it. I could feel that journey and I could recognize it in so many films. And then not half a beat later, they said, all story from all time is the hero's journey. And I was like, wait a minute, that can't be right. <laughs> so it was in that moment that actually I sort of, um, like I completed a screenplay, but I kind of pivoted away from that and became really passionate about what was this thing archetypes and mm. how could I figure out another pattern, something that's not a hero's journey. And I would say that a heroine's journey is basically a woman doing a hero's journey. Mm. It's it's not the same as a virgin story, which is to know your value just for being yourself. That's mm -hmm. what the feminine, it's a, it's an inward journey and it's an, a journey that's guided by love as opposed to fear, which is what's um, directing a hero's journey. Mm -hmm. And, and it's this lovely balance. I think all of us in life need to be able to both conquer our fear and take action, like be brave, but also to, know how to turn inward and know what's authentic about us and how we're going to bring that into life. 
It seems like a, a very, very difficult thing to teach. I mean, j- just like a, like a common story that most people come across is like maybe they get older and a doctor finally tells them to quit smoking or quit something. They need some external thing. They can't just look within to change who they are or find whatever meaning they need to find. How do you kind of go about helping people find what's inward? I mean, I, I imagine um, Julia Cameron's work might be some of that, but what are some other steps you kind of did to like lean in and find out yourself there? You know, it's it's actually what the 13 beats of the Virgin's journey is teaching people to do. It's, it's something we do crave to see on the screen because mm-hmm. when we live it with that character, it actually activates something in us and we we have a better sense of how to guide our own lives that way. Um, there's research that actually believes that archetypes are they're like they're located sort of in the spiritual center of our brain and that they're there because story is meant to pull us forward in sort of the great journeys of life. And that's why they sort of cross all cultures as they're part of the human condition. So for this particular journey, like how do I look inward? How do I learn to do that? Um, you know, it's often um in stories it's either a sense of depression or that you suddenly get a taste of something and you feel differently you suddenly mm-hmm. like spark and then you don't know what to do with that um and usually you know it's either you you meet somebody and suddenly you have like sexual urges you've never had before mm-hmm. and you know something about yourself that you didn't know before or you get this chance like in Billy Elliot to throw on a pair of belly shoes and then suddenly when you embody it something Mm -hmm. in you awakens and that's the first step that you now know that there's something and you want more of it and usually we we live in a world where we know what all the rules are around us and what it takes to to thrive to survive really um and and so that's our dependent world but we're paying a price if we're not being authentic when we're doing that and so it's that conflict that you're working with in this story and it's it's about the person the protagonist becoming aware of that conflict sometimes we do it and we just think you know like in um legally blonde you know you Mm -hmm. think you're just nailing it you're getting it all right you're meeting everybody's expectations and um and then only when life starts to go wrong do you realize there's something more you know, there's something where if I'm not going to make everybody happy, I might as well make myself happy. And that's the sort of thing that makes you create a world where you could experiment and figure out what is that? What would that look like? And it can't be a world where you're going to get knocked down every time you make a mistake or it has to be a world where you you're surrounded by friends and you can explore what brings you joy. This is about love, not about fear. And that's the hardest thing to teach. Screenwriting teaches people you have to be driven by fear, Mm -hmm. conflict, obstacles. Um, And it's a nuance. Like, yes, there are, you know, there's where you want to be and where you are, and it seems hard to get there. But it's joy that pulls you forward. It's joy that drives you, love that drives you, not shutting off your emotions and taking brave actions. So it's that's what makes the story different. It's a very inward journey. Do you, do you find that the films that do it successfully, do they kind of do both versions? So, so I'm in marketing in my other job and 
the way we teach marketing is, is the first point is away from pain and then eventually towards pleasure. That's kind of how you talk to people uh, about, about their, whatever it is. So Legally Blonde or some of the other films you mentioned, do you, you kind of have to do both? Cause I, I see you've got, um, the hero archetypal journey. You've kind of got that in your book. Do you see like, you, yeah. do you need both parts of it to, to create a successful like virgin story? Well, I would say definitely that it does create a successful story when you have both of them. You have this mm-hmm. sort of very well-rounded sense of what it means to have a good connection to yourself. Um, I don't think it's absolutely necessary. There are like Lady Bird, um, Pretty, uh, Pretty Woman, um, Billy Elliot, About a Boy. All of these really are just um, learning to figure out who you are and, and bring that into the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Even then, I would say that there's this beat in the virgin story, which is what I call the rescue or the reorder, that there does come a point that once you've made yourself visible, like often the hero couldn't have imagined or the, or the linear world can't imagine something that's yet to exist. But that's what the virgin's really great at. She can bring something in that's never been in the world before. But once the virgin makes herself visible, she still needs a place to belong. And often that's where the hero comes in and says, okay, now that I see all the things that she's got to offer, that's kind of worth dying for. I will make a place so that she can be safe and exist and bring that to life in in the world. So he would adjust, or you can do it for yourself as an ever after where she just shakes up her own world and um, makes it happen. So there is a space where she can live. What are, so let's kind of move into your book a little bit. Tell me a little bit about how you decided to stretch this into a book and how you structured the book and what are some maybe key takeaways you hope people find that they do pick it up and start to read a chapter. Well, it is. um, Yeah. It's a lot. Sorry. It's a lot of questions. It's it's, it's a lot. Yeah. Well, you know, it was interesting that one of the ways that I, um, I wrote the book was partly I, I, went and I studied mythology and I went to Jungian gatherings and I was sort of, I guess, doing the Julia Cameron thing where you allow inspiration to come in. But they counted a lot on watching movies that didn't seem heroic to me Mm. and then just letting that sink in and see what's common here. What, what are people coming up with on their own that has forming is forming a pattern. And that's how I, wrote the book i trusted my own instinct which actually turns out to be a major part of that virgin's journey mm-hmm. so um yeah and i you know the other thing i used to do is i would listen to music and then i would notice when the theme was a virgin theme about mm-hmm. getting in touch with yourself let it go um what are mm-hmm. some of the other ones there's like those there's so many anyway so i created a soundtrack and i would go running i found that body experience would just get with the music playing at the same time I would come back and I could not make my fingers run over the keyboards fast enough it was amazing how how um connecting physically to to the ideas really did make a difference in the writing as well have you seen more of these stories come to be more recently it seems like a lot of movies now are more geared towards finding yourself and some of those aspects like if you look at the first 50 years of disney generally the story was like something bad happened and then it went back to normal where pixar yes. is more like some one person maybe or one whatever creature or character 
can change things and it can be totally different and better. That seems to be a lot yeah. of their stories kind of go that way. Have you seen like a general, like across the board look to, to move kind of in the direction that, that your book is about? Yeah, I absolutely have. Yeah. It's yeah. Even the, the ones that are starting to win the awards are, yeah. you know, like Joker and Parasite and um, uh, La La Land and Francis Ha, like all of these are about that journey to find yourself and bring it into life. The Shape of Water is another mm-hmm. one. Um, and they all hit the beats, actually. It's been quite something. I In the back of my book, I write which which of the stories that I sort of beat out, hit, mm-hmm. which beats they hit. And mm-hmm. they all pretty, you know, they hit a lot of them. I actually do believe that to get a full story, you need to hit all 13 of the beats in the in the virgin archetypal journey um and often we're so used to the hero that all we do is we go you know she had a problem and then she felt better you know it just seems to like if you don't know the you know the whole evolution of you know like you have to like first awaken to the fact that you are limiting yourself in some way that made it okay to conform to society that's one big internal growth it's often a challenge to show on the screen but you have to take it on and then the second is that it's what just letting go of what's limited to you is not the same as choosing to believe in yourself and try and make a life with something that you believe in. So there, those are two very separate beats that uh, that make a story much more interesting on screen. Do you, and, are there are there some examples where there, um, or maybe some of you've already said, are there multiple characters going through this? Because the the thing about the hero's journey, I spoke with Chris Fogler not long ago, is. If you have a two-hander story, they're both kind of going through the hero's journey. It almost has to go in a very linear process. With your, with like the Virgin stories, I assume it can maybe be mixed up more, or is it more of a linear process oh, yeah. as well? And then can like multiple characters, are they all experiencing some version of it? Yes, absolutely. And you can really mix and match it. Like you you can often have a crone character in there that's at you know, I think that archetypes are like an energy that moves into a, one of your protagonists. And actually, different energies can move into the same character. Mm-hmm. So you can have them in a heroic role for a while, and then suddenly they're in the victim to virgin role. Uh, you know, like, it's just, you, the writer has to know what the heart of the dialogue is at the moment. And then they can have these energies move through. Um, so examples would be, um, I would say that Parasite is basically a lot of virgin characters trying mm-hmm. to figure out how they can be, can be worthy in life. You know, like mm-hmm. they're, this hierarchy is oppressing them and they're just trying to get a better sense of a grip on them being themselves in their world. And that's why the father snaps because mm-hmm. there's this sense that the, the rich guy actually thinks his son is worth more than his daughter the rich mm. guy's son think you know and so right. um it's it's just more than he can bear it's like this total shattering of this idea that you could get along in that system you know so that one's fascinating joker is another one that um he's 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 not trying to save anybody he even says that on the talk show you know he's just trying to be himself and this is what's coming out um frozen you know, is uh, a, a children's cartoon, but you mentioned Pixar, like they are all mm-hmm. over this now. Kids yeah. have such an appetite for this, I want to be myself kind of story. And there they have two characters 
Anna is a hero and Elsa is the virgin. And uh, that, um, and apparently when they first wrote that, it really was Elsa was the evil force and Anna had to combat somehow. But then they were thinking about how she would actually feel when she exiled herself and they, and they gained a lot more empathy for her and they completely changed the story so that she was, she was a virgin at that point. Mm. And uh, yeah, yeah. I just think that story is very, very well written. How do you kind of logistically advise for writers to go through some of these? So when I, when I spoke with Vogler again, uh, I could, I could see people getting, too obsessed with hitting all the beats of the hero's journey and not letting the characters move and some of those things you look at it more it's like know the rules as best you can before you go in and then whenever you kind of hit those spots you can look back to them as a reference or how do you kind of see you know the writing process the creative process how do you kind of see the mixture of all these things i tell people that you have to start you, you can't write a story about somebody's authentic journey without starting with something that you have really strong feelings that right. relating to so i suggest that people really just write out you know like try and as a treatment or as moments little, little bits of dialogue like get a sense of what it is you want to talk about mm. and then um then it can be useful to go back to this the structure or introduce yourself to the virgin structure at that moment and see if you happen to hit on some of the mm. pieces the next thing is to find out places where you're stuck and see if any of those beats loosen, you know, like suddenly mm -hmm. energize you to write again. Um, I, I find it's, it's a useful tool. It's not, it's not a um, formula. Mm -hmm. So the other thing is that it is completely nonlinear. And this is something that I, I discovered after I wrote the book. It's you can, you can start with any beat actually any of the beats and make that the opening of your movie even when it's in a straight timeline hmm. you're like there's some um, the last beat is that the kingdom is brighter that because the virgin has brought herself to life then there's a new talent or there's unconditional love or one of those things so think of the movie the wife at the opening of the movie the kingdom is brighter her the talent story of the spoiler <laughs> but the, the talent of her has and it has changed the writing world and they're celebrating that mm. and yet she hasn't done her journey like she started with the accolades and she has to grow into the fact that that's her that mm. there is room in the world for her and you know so you really can write those stories with the beats in any order and that is exceptionally freeing it's mm. also circular like if you want to make a point you can go and make the same emotional resonance like the same beat um but just with different circumstances you're making the same point but it's with a different set of um you know like scenes so that it it's coming at your character from many sides and eventually they sort of put these things together and awaken to what their real potential is and that they could bring it to life hmm. Are there any other exercises you do in the book for those that are maybe they're not even quite ready for the the first stage of writing, like to to kind of research or just to view movies in a new lens to a degree? Like, are there any things you do like that to advise them to read screenplays yeah. and some of those things? Yes, yes, and I I do suggest that people um, watch a movie and then beat it out, watch it twice, and um, 
I usually just sit with the virgin beats in front of me and then just try and notice the scene and go, which one of these might that be? You know, and, and you do train your mind. It's like a muscle. You you activate it. In that moment when I said in film school where I got those chills that would go right down my arm, the more you sort of validate that and notice it, the more powerful it becomes. And you actually get archetypally really strong. You can really start to notice these um, these key moments all over the place in music and commercials and like you said with your um, marketing work would all of these stories be triumphant is it possible like there's uh, i forget who it is it's one of the philosophers like if the character changes is considered a comedy if they don't change is considered a tragedy um are all of the virgin stories or, or are there examples where they almost get it? They do a several of the beats, but for whatever reason, they can't change. Do you think about those things as well? Yeah, yeah. And those are like the most devastating stories. Um, Requiem for a Dream, mm-hmm. uh, Black Swan. Um, they're just just absolutely devastating. Uh, because love is, is about all forms of connection. And sometimes... Um, and it's and sometimes it's about reconnection, but it, it can also be about disconnection. And instead of like a, connecting to your true self and the values that you know you love and what's meaningful to you, and bringing that into life, it can go the other way, where you sink into depression, you become farther and farther from your intrinsic worth, and right down to suicide. Mm-hmm. So that would be like virgin suicide. Mm-hmm. Kind of, yeah. You, so. So we mainly talked about uh, movies. I imagine it is movies are generally wrapped up in two hours. It is like a nice, complete story. Are you seeing this in in television work as well, where they've got multiple seasons to kind of stretch out a character? It seems like there could be a lot more room for some of those revolving doors and some of those things. Yes. Boy, when I, um, after Parasite, I actually got really curious. I remember the guy accepting his his award and said, you know, I'm so, you know, thank you. And I'm surprised because this is what Korean film is like. And I thought this is one of the most archetypal movies I've seen in a long time. So I dove right into Korean movies and I do find that they do really slowly stretch it out like 16 episodes to get Mm -hmm. you um, that sense of an archetypal um, connection, this overcoming the obstacles to choose yourself and bring that into life Mm -hmm. so definitely those stories um but yeah there's i mean i'm trying to think of some i i mean i notice it all the time um i thought some some, i don't know if you've seen these but um, some people talk to um made is like an eight part series where it's really up and down and you just you root for this person to change but it takes so long and it's also a show called normal people it's kind of the same idea it's just it seems like the like it, these these probably could be two oh. hour movies, but because they're eight hours, it's more agonizing as a viewer to watch them go through the the cycles that they're just not making those right decisions, you know. Yes, but what was the last that you met? Was it normal uh, people? Normal people, yeah. Yeah, be- yeah. That's the one with the young it's like, girl who. It's like the young who, couple. Uh, I think they're in. They're Irish, maybe. Yes. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Okay. Very, very archetypal. Yeah. And I found the sort of the slow simmer just really makes you reflect. You know, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's this idea that it's not meant to be like constant, um, you know, like 
on on the edge of your seat and then you know the big final battle and you're and you're good to go this this is where you you get a bit and then you you go on about your day and it sinks in and then you go back for your next bite and you know i think that kind of that story i mean learning about well the parallels between our sexuality and our just our sense of self i mean Mm. it was beautiful display of of how that happens but also it wasn't a you know so he trained her to be a different way it was like how do I work with this? How do I, you know, and that that is, is more loving, you know, like it's not to train people to be like us. It's to try and see into the window of another person and, and how you can support them in being all that they want to be. Mm. So to see the goodness in a person. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the show. So many great lessons on screenwriting here. If you're looking for some more information, though, some more about the craft of writing for television, uh, we have a new course called Script Mastermind, where we have 21 of our proven experts telling you how to write for television, how to write a screenplay, how to break in, things like that. Uh, this includes shows of Gordon Levitt, Judd Apatow, also the writers of shows like Handmaid's Tale, Mosquito Coast, Hunters, Solar Opposites, Resident Alien, WandaVision, the list goes on and on. Check that out. Uh, you can get this all right now for $1 at scriptmastermind.com television. That is the television screenwriting masterclass. It is at scriptmastermind.com television. We'll see you next time with a new episode.